This is Soccer Weekly. You are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Hello, I am Dave Denholm, your host here on Soccer Weekly. Thank you so much for joining me again, this time after Lakers basketball here on the home of Lakers basketball, ESPN LA 710. Just such a great night. We've got so much in store for you. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly is sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company, embrace life, drink good beer. And we have truly a good show ready for you here on Soccer Weekly on this Friday. Again, you know, with the world of soccer the way it is, with so much going on in the world of sports, you know, you just got to be, you got to be ready and willing. By the way, programming note, Tuesday coming up is the next Soccer Weekly. So it's going to be like kind of bam, bam, Friday this evening and then Tuesday next week because of uh, some other programming here at ESPN LA 710, the home for sports in Southern California, no doubt, including soccer. And we jump right in with MLS playoffs. we got so much more to talk about. This is what's on tap. MLS playoffs, Champions League. Going to be talking with the a Galaxy midfielder and U.S. men's national team midfielder. Coming off of injury, Sebastian Legett will be joining us. We've got Toluca Pachuca updates. Yeah, it's been a while since my Liga Emekis teams really warranted an update quite frankly but they're getting it down to it in the apertura getting ready for the playoffs so we'll definitely take a look at that and i actually threw it out there earlier i've got some lined up your twitter questions you can follow the show at talk soccer that's me at talk soccer follow it do all that don't forget every week the podcast comes out immediately following the show on itunes you can find it there just to search under podcast soccer weekly Subscribe, rate, and review, and I really appreciate that. So many of you already have. It matters, and I appreciate that so much, and it is a good thing for fans of the beautiful game and for Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. Brought to you by Puente Hills Toyota. PuenteHillsToyota.com. Get your new 2017 Toyota Camry LE today at PuenteHillsToyota.com. Check them out. MLS playoffs are in full force. No, the Galaxy aren't there. Yeah, okay, you can rub that in on me. I get it. So many of you don't particularly love my L.A. Galaxy, but so many of you do, and we're, we're struggling. We're hurting. It is kind of weird how the U.S. men's national team misses the World Cup. I'm in pain for that. I'm in pain all season long with the worst season ever in the history of my L.A. Galaxy. I guess we're paying for so many years of success with the Galaxy, right? We're just getting hit over the head with it in 2017. It has been a miserable soccer year for me. In that sense. The beauty is we're in season two of this show, so that's a great thing. But, man, on the pitch, I'm struggling. However, I can't get enough of watching the MLS playoffs. I really can't. I'm so in right now. Seattle gets by Vancouver in their second leg last night in the Western Conference. Hey, until somebody beats the defending champion, right? I'm not saying Seattle's the best team. Clint Dempsey, a couple of goals, looked about 10 years younger in that game. And Clint is a guy who's hungry. He knows his career's kind of wrapping up, right? He's coming down to the wire. He misses out on the World Cup with the U.S., knows he's not going to any more World Cups. This is it. I'm not saying this is his last season in MLS, but his career is winding down. And a guy like that stepping up, scoring two on Vancouver, was huge. Absolutely huge for Seattle in their quest for another MLS Cup title. 2-0, they move on to the Western Conference Finals. They await the winner of Portland-Houston. They played a dud of a game in leg one. Nil-nil. It was dreadful. That was the worst game I thought in the playoffs so far. It was bad. 
you know, contrast that with the way uh, Columbus knocked out Atlanta in the first round with that nil-nil that was unreal. What a game that was. That was a thing of beauty at nil-nil. The Portland-Houston one, not so much. That one looked like you put that on a highlight video of people who hate soccer and say, see, (laughs) that's why. That's why I hate soccer. Portland-Houston, nil-nil. But, look, realistically, Portland couldn't score on the road. That's a big advantage for Houston with the away goals rule. And they'll look to take advantage of that going back to Portland. Now, of course, when you're at home, if you're Houston in leg one, you want to get a win, you want to score some goals. I get it. But it's not the worst thing in the world. If you're going to have a a bad game at home, at least keep the opponents from scoring with the away goal rule. Now that they shift back to Portland and Providence Park. TFC taking on Red Bulls. These three games are coming up Sunday. You saw the game last night, Seattle beating Vancouver. The rest of this round, the second legs are on Sunday. Toronto comes in with a 2-1 lead over the Red Bulls, getting those two big goals on the road. They are the clear favorites in the series. They are the clear favorites to me to win MLS Cup. I've been saying it all year. You know it. It's no surprise. They have the best record ever in MLS in terms of points. And they're the best team. And they're the best team I've ever seen in MLS. Does that mean playoff titles? Not necessarily. I thought Toronto was just about the best team last season. They didn't quite get it done in the final. I thought the Dodgers had the best. Didn't they have the best record in baseball? Yeah, sometimes it doesn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Too soon. Too soon. But you get the point. In the playoffs, things can happen. Toronto FC kept their focus, played a brilliant leg one in New York, and got a big win, 2-1. On the other hand, New York Red Bulls' deep rivals, NYCFC, went to Columbus. And how about hashtag save the crew? How about it? Columbus in all this misery with possibly the seeing their team move to Austin, Texas. All this stuff swirling around. Yeah, they just go out and beat a 10-man NYCFC 4-1 at home. I know David Villa got a late road goal, so there's a little bit of a, maybe a crack in the armor that, okay, maybe they can get back into it. They're going to have to win 3-0 or by more than three goals or 5-2, you know, 6-3, whatever. Good luck. Columbus is ready to move on to the Eastern Conference Final, no doubt. I don't believe they're going to have any trouble with NYCFC, even on the road, in that second leg. And then, of course, the Portland-Houston match, as I mentioned, which Houston has maybe a slight edge if they can nick a road goal early and then kind of play defensively. I I don't know. Houston can play with Portland. I think Portland will probably win that one at home, though. All Portland has to worry about, yeah, they didn't get a road goal. Just go win at home. That's easy enough after you drew in the first leg. So it's really coming down to the wire. i got to tell you my MLS MVP. And I know there's other guys who are fully deserving, not the least of which Diego Valeri, David Villa. Absolutely. Sasha Kleschen, for my money, one of the best players in MLS this season. No doubt. Nico Lodero with Seattle. I mean, great names. Vancouver's had some good play out of several players. I get it. And even on his team, there's been some great play from other players. But my MLS MVP has to be Sebastian Duvinko. It's not exactly breaking any kind of news here in that sense. Yes, we all know Jovinko is that good. And the reason I, I say he's my MVP, I'm, look, even statistically, you know, he might have had even a better season before, of course. He can change the game in so many different ways and forces teams now with Victor Vasquez behind him, feeding Jovinko, feeding Josie Altador, 
Jovinko is just so smart. He forces defenses to unbalance, to become unbalanced, and that is all soccer is about. Hey, kids, listening to your Uncle Dave here on Soccer Weekly, you know what soccer is all about? Geometry, angles, breaking down defenses by making sure they're unbalanced. That's all it is. Running defenses out of position and opening up space for either you or your teammate who can then finish, hopefully. (laughs) And unfortunately, some teams who shall remain nameless, my LA Galaxy, don't have guys who can do that consistently. But you need that. And Joe Vinkel's one of them. But it also comes down to, let's face it, free kicks. The man is a wizard. He's as good as you'll ever see. And when you have a Josie Altidore taking a pounding and punishment like Josie does as a big target forward who can actually move and make runs and do other things, he draws a lot of fouls. And so does Jovinko, for that matter. So does Victor Vasquez. So does Mike. Look, Toronto FC, they get into a dangerous situation with a free kick. You want to face Jovinko? No. No, you do not. And I don't blame you. He is my MLS MVP because he just means so much more to his team. Not that any other player. I don't mean it like that, but he just means so much to TFC. Best team Best ever MLS point total for a team. Why not pick the best player on that team as your MLS MVP? You can't really go wrong. I am just so pumped for the playoffs. And I'll tell you what else pumped me up. i got to be honest. I was coming off doing another uh, job earlier in the day, driving back, and I decided to get off a little. I live downtown in Los Angeles, get off a little early, know the freeways, how they can be. And I decided to go through towards kind of USC, right? I'm just driving in side streets. And... It still hits me. I know where the stadium is located. I do, right? We all do. But every time I get anywhere near it, it just hits me in the face like, holy cow, there is Bank of California Stadium where LAFC is going to play. I drove right by it. And when I mean right by it now, because it's flying up, that one side of the stands is you could practice. You feel like you could reach out of your car window and kind of give people high fives. We're sitting there. It's that close. Now, of course, it's close to the road, but you see how steep it is when you drive by. But it was amazing how far they've come. And mind you, I did a tour back with our fearless producer here, Mario Rees, months ago. Just got another mini tour weeks ago, not barely weeks ago. And it's still come a long way since then, in the couple of weeks since I've seen it. Unbelievable. Flying up. I got to admit, I got a little goosebumpy. Yeah, I can say that. Is that a word, goosebumpy? I did just because of what's happening over there. And, you know, you hit my, I hit my odometer as I drove by three miles from where I live, dude. Come on. That's sick. Oh, I hate LAFC's new stadium looking so good. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I hate that hat they gave me the other day when I honestly, and it's in my closet and it just stares at me. I hate how good that LAFC hat looks as I stare at it. Unreal. Hey, you know what else looks good? Sebastian Legette coming back from injury. That's going to look very good for both the LA Galaxy and for the future for the U.S. men's national team. He'll join us next on Soccer Weekly. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are listening to ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I'm Dave Denholm hanging out with you here on the home of world football in Southern California. And it's a pleasure to be joined right now by Galaxy and U.S. men's national team midfielder Sebastian Legette. Sebastian, thanks for taking the time, buddy. Appreciate it. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Sebastian, we got to get right to it. Uh, how is the injury? How are you feeling? How's it coming? Give us an update. 
Yeah, no, it's been uh, everything's been really good, really productive. Um, you know, it's obviously been a a long time. Uh, you know, since March. You know, I'll never forget that day. But um, you know, for good reasons, for bad reasons, uh, of course. But um, it's been uh, it's been a long journey. Uh, it's actually tomorrow is eight. I reach eight months since uh, my first surgery. So um, it's uh, yeah, it's been crazy. But everything is looking really good. And you know, I'm definitely super, super excited about next season, and you know, everything's everything's going to be all right. Now, Sebastian, can you describe it a little bit for people who don't know? Uh, we know what happened to diehard soccer guys, but people listening who maybe don't understand or know what happened to you in that March game for the U.S. national team. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, it was it was uh, my first uh, World Cup qualifier. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, I definitely got the nod, and you know, it was a big moment for me. Um, and for everybody, I mean, it was special because it was also my hometown and it was against Honduras and, you know, we ended up winning the game and I ended up scoring the first goal in the first 15 minutes. And then, you know, minutes later, you know, I, uh, you know, I suffered a pretty bad injury. Um, you know, I got a, a really hard tackle down the line and, you know, it's just one of those things that you can't avoid. And, you know, there's nothing I could have done differently and, you know, there's nothing I would, I guess I, I could take back if I could. So, um, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's basically how it was. And then fast forward now, I, I made months in the rehab. And, you know, I still got a couple more months to really get to 110%. So. Well, that is the good news with the foot, no doubt about it. Yeah. We're talking with Sebastian Legette, Galaxy and U.S. Men's National Team midfielder. Let me ask you this question this way. With the injury that you suffered, if the Galaxy had been, you know, a playoff team, let's say, had done well like they yeah. normally, or like you guys certainly normally do, it's been a tough year, no doubt, would it have been something that you might have tried to rush the injury a little bit, or are you taking um, are you taking extra yeah, precaution? Know, I think, you know? Yeah, I think the hard part of me would have definitely, <laughs> you know, would have had a you know some more serious uh, some serious conversations with uh, our trainers and our medical staff. Um, but my, to be honest, even if I wanted to, you know, my body still. No, it's not that my my entire body. It's just the actual where the injury happened. It's just. It's it's something that needs a lot of time, and it's um you know I mean I I have to get you know screws and and my foot and like you know as soccer players that's like our main you know that that's what we need that's the necessity so um I think I would have loved to have joined the team and, and made a difference but um I'm not sure if I actually could have you know what I mean I don't know if I would have got cleared to, to be honest so I guess I guess I you know if if there was a chance I think it would hurt more. But I know, like, inside of me that, you know, there, there probably wasn't a chance, even if we did make playoffs. Um, you know, I'll see it. I guess it didn't happen, and, you know, things are for a reason, and, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're going on that aspect as well. Well, soccer fans can look certainly look at it one way. Uh, Sebastian Legette was missed by the Galaxy and the U.S. men's national team. I don't even want to – if you don't laugh, you'll cry, Sebastian. I am a diehard Galaxy and a U.S. men's national uh, team fan, and it has been tough. Now, let me ask you this. I talk to athletes all the time throughout my career. You know, when they suffer injury, they got to sit back and watch. It's very difficult. I understand that. You want to be out there. Some of them say, oh, I learned a lot while I was watching. And some of them say, no, I didn't learn a thing. I'm just ticked off that I wasn't out there. How do you <laughs> know, feel about this? Yeah, how do you feel about this time spent away from the pitch? Because you're such, still such a young it's, player at 25 years old. Yeah, it's a very weird place to be. I mean, because so much has happened. I mean, you know, um, positive and negative. But, I mean, a lot of, I guess, you know, a lot of negative things that has happened that I've, I've, I've felt helpless um, in a way. And, 
but you know what? I, I it's been a long journey, and you know, I've I've paid close attention. Um, you know, to a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have if I didn't get injured. You know, um, whether it's the way other parts of like my body and getting stronger, or just other aspects of the game, and just seeing it from you know hindsight. You know, it's it's uh it's there's a lot of things that have come to my attention that I I, I probably wouldn't have if I was just you know playing uh, as yeah. I usually you know would have if I was healthy. We got to talk. Sure. talk about- I, I mean, I, I'm definitely one of those birds. I think that I I can say that I learned a lot. You know, outside of the outside of the pitch and on and well, not on the pitch yet, but. I, uh, hopefully I use all that knowledge, you know, once I'm back. Is there something you say that you do see tactically as a player when you sit back up and watch specifically, like tactics on the pitch? Is there anything you can pick up? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think it would have been, I think, of, of course, no, I, I mean, absolutely to answer your question, but I think if I knew I was going to play, um, you know, if I knew the season, there was still two months of the season, I knew I was going to come back, yeah. I think I would have, had to really go that extra mile as far as the, into the detail, but I knew I, I started towards the end that I wasn't, and so as much as I paid attention, it was more planning to you know uh, you know long term ahead. So I, I you know maybe like uh, prepared for you know I mean our, our manager now is Diggy, and um, and so maybe like a formation that I could play. So where do I see myself? Maybe you know that sort of thing. Not 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 such an immediate uh, impact. Um, so I, yeah, that answer your question. I wish I didn't have to ask this one, Sebastian. What happened to the oh. Galaxy this year, and what happened to the U.S. national team? From your estimate, I mean, it's sa- similar, oh obviously, God. along the way. I've, had, both, a, I've uh, had a front row view. Yeah, yeah. What 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 it's, happened? Um, yeah, no, it's uh, you know, and I've I, like I said, I, I I've got a unique position in all this because I've seen, I've, I've spoken to the guys, you know, after games. And even after that national team game, and it's just, you know, it's. I mean, I wasn't. You know, I mean, starting with the national team. I mean, I, I wasn't there. You know, it, it's tough to. Sure. You know, it's easy to point fingers and and, and say this and that, but, you know, it's it's. It's it's really tough. I mean, it's tough on the swallow. You know, for anybody involved, um, especially. I mean, obviously for me, I had, you know, my my dream was to play in the World Cup, and you know, it still is. Obviously, I have to wait much longer now, but. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, I don't think anybody saw it coming, you know, you know, we can definitely look back. I'm sure the players and coaching staff, you know, will say that they could have done things differently. And I mean, we all, we all say those things when we mess up, right. Or or do something like that. So, but as far as the galaxy, you know, it's, there's a lot of changes. Um, you know, it was awesome. We struggled a lot, a lot of new faces as well. Yeah. It, it, it was just hard to get everybody on the same page. We're talking with Sebastian Legette here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are hanging out with us here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know Sebastian's career, he, uh, as a young guy, still very young, obviously, in his career, but started yeah. in England, came over back to the Galaxy. And, Sebastian, is it fair to say that you love Los Angeles? I do. Uh, no, I do love. I do love the city. Um, you know, but it, I do feel. Uh, I mean, I, at first it was. I mean, it was still tough. I mean, because you're just focused on the game. So I was still trying to find my way. And thankfully, you know, this club really accepted me uh, the way it did, and and I'm super grateful for it. So I think my love for Los Angeles really does start there, mm-hmm. um, because everything on the on the field worked out. 
so everything kind of came. So, no, I, I definitely love the city, and, you know, um, you know, I plan on staying for, you know, uh, I mean, in the future. All right, well, let's put it this way. It's fair to say L.A. loves you, and I think it's beyond the sports fan in Los Angeles. If you don't know, check out Instagram. They love the boy. Uh, that is Sebastian Legette, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of followers, and he's big on social media. There's no doubt about that. Whether it's that's and Sebastian, dude, that's it's not just sports fans, man. You know what you know what I'm talking about, and you, yeah, well, you you've I, embraced it. Let's face it, you've well, embraced. I mean, it. I, I I try to have a good time and try to show people the different side of things that I guess you know it's not just soccer, <laughs> um, even though that is you know my first love, but. You know, I try to have a good time with it, and you know, I, I like that people have also received it well. And um, yeah, you know, it's just it's all good fun. But in fairness, so, yeah. is is that something that you do want to focus on in terms of off the pitch? I mean, you guys have lives. You guys have your your public figures. I mean, it can be beneficial. Right. I mean, it, it, I mean, my main focus, you know, definitely in the next, you know, year is you know everything that I've been through. You know, it, it, I want I really want to inspire uh, you know uh, pe- young players. Or just young people in, in in general, because I mean, just to, if you can teach somebody something or inspire them, um, and, and and you can be that you know tiny fraction difference, um, and they can look back and, and sort of and, and you come to mind as a as a difference in their life. That's like the biggest gift I think you can ever give. So I mean, I know like maybe not always through like social media, but far as like appearances and, 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 and anything like that in the community, I, I love doing stuff like that. Well, he's an L.A. Galaxy midfielder and certainly with a future in the U.S. men's national team. Sebastian, we with you, wish you nothing but the best health-wise. Glad, glad to hear you're coming back strong. We look forward to seeing you on the pitch, and thanks so much for taking the time here on Soccer Weekly. Yeah, wow, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You bet. Sebastian Lejad, Galaxy and U.S. Men's National Team midfielder. I am Dave Denholm. You are listening to Soccer Weekly here as we continue on ESPN LA 710. You got that right. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710, the home of world football here in Southern California. I am Dave Denholm, and you are happy to be joining me, I'm sure. No question. As we roll on here on ESPN LA 710, thanks so much to Sebastian Lejet, Galaxy midfielder, who joined us just moments ago here on Soccer Weekly, sharing the fact that he's coming along strong with that injury, that foot injury, long foot injury. And I kind of had felt like I had to ask the question of if the Galaxy weren't suffering through their worst season ever, might he have taken a peek about trying to get back a little quicker? And he you know, basically admitted that. And I don't blame him for not. No, there's, the Galaxy needed to shut him down with the season they were having. Why rush somebody back who's as valuable as Sebastian Leggett is? And he was missed. You know, we, we forget about that over the course of a long, miserable season. The Galaxy did have injuries. I'm not making excuses. Injuries happen in sports. We're seeing it in the NFL week in, week out. Deshaun Watson, you think anybody's going to care playing the Houston Texans that he's injured now? No. They'll go out and try to beat him. Nobody, any of the other 21 teams or whatever it is, nobody cared that Sebastian Legette got hurt in terms of on the pitch playing the Galaxy, right? They're going to try to take advantage of that. And, oh, they did. But it's going to be big. The Galaxy are getting people back from injury. That will be big for 2018. It's a part of it. Long way to go with that team. But he's going to be a big part of that. You know what? Uh, I had to get to this, too. We talked a little bit earlier in the show on the MLS playoffs and TFC going to the New York Red Bulls, beating them 2-1 on the road. Josie Altidore, part of a story here. You're reading about it. If you've been following MLS playoffs like I have, you've known about this. He was upset at New York Red Bull fans. Now, 
okay, on one level, when I first was watching it and heard about this, I got to admit, my first knee-jerk reaction is, oh, you know, oh, no, woe is he. Who he, You know, he and Michael Bradley took a lot of heat from the Red Bull fans. You would think because the U.S. team missed the World Cup. And the New York Red Bull fans are fans of the United States, and they let Josie and Michael Bradley have it. Now, coupling that with their playing their own Red Bull team, and TFC is the enemy there at that point. So, yeah, I could understand why they would boo him and boo him lustily. Frankly, I would have. And if you're Josie Altador and Michael Bradley and you take paychecks to play for the U.S. national team, which they do, and you look that doggish and horrific and you cause us to miss our first World Cup since 1986 and it's the biggest sports travesty in American sports history on the field, then yes, you deserve to be booed lustily. I got no problem with that. But Josie telling stories that are far worse than that. Talks about people mocking his religion, his love for this country. Come on, that can't be acceptable in any way, shape, or form. I am as diehard and as passionate a soccer fan as there is in the world. You know this. I love the beautiful game. I love it with a passion that I'm not afraid to admit or ashamed to share when someone either deserves praise or ridicule. And I was right up there ridiculing Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore and the rest of the U.S. men's national team for their performance. Josie understands that. He said it. He gets it. He signs his paycheck over and puts it in the bank that he gets paid for by the U.S. men's national team. He knows how bad they failed. But you cannot have what some of these fans are alleged to have done. Again, you cannot take it to religion and be mocking him for that or, oh, you don't love your country because you don't put your hand on your heart during the national. Come on. We got to be better than that. And that's the thing that one of the things that bothers me when you hear these kind of things. So unnecessary. I understand people's passion and it gets out of hand. Yeah, we're all human. Who among us hasn't gone too far at one point or another? But you just have to be above that. You want to boo him exclusively for his horrific play with the U.S. men's national team? Amen. I'm right there with you. And they deserve that. And I don't have any problem with that. You just cannot take it beyond the line, which they did, apparently, these fans. And that is just, again, no way, shape, or form acceptable. So you got to support Josie in that portion of the story, without a doubt. Cannot have that. And there's just no place for it. Again, don't go that far. You want to pull it back and you want to just boo him for their – yeah, I'm with you. Again, I support that. In fact, I would do that. I got to be honest with you. Next time I'm at a Galaxy game and they're playing TFC, I will boo Josie Altidore and Michael Bradley. Or if I see Clint Dempsey the next time. Or, frankly, Christian Pulisic. Although he gave it his level best, I got to be honest. He might have been the only one. Or Tim Howard. You're going to get booed by me. Strictly for how awful you were in qualifying as a team. Or Bruce Arena, for that matter. I will boo Bruce Arena as a fan. If and when he ever coaches again next time. I don't care if it's even for my LA Galaxy in the future. Which, you know, doesn't look like that's going to happen by any means. I will boo Bruce Arena for his lack of readiness for the U.S. But not for things like Josie Altidore saying Red Bull fans came after him for. No way. Can't happen. No more.
Hey, you want to hit me up on Twitter? Your thoughts on that? At Talk Soccer. We always continue the conversation after the show each and every week here on ESPN LA 710. You can follow me there at Talk Soccer. Soccer Weekly continues on with the uh, Champions League really in full force. We'll, we'll be talking more about that, but you know what time it is now. This is right about the time of show that we all love. And it's been a little while, i got to admit, but we're getting right down to the nitty-gritty towards the playoffs. It's time for the Toluca Pachuca update. That's right, Liga MX, or MX, as some of my uh, friends here that I uh, talk to in Soccer Weekly and from time to time like to call it, and I, I don't blame them for that. That is the official name. It's Apertura nearly playoff time. As we're winding down to the 17-game schedule, most teams have finished up with 15 games. I think it's one or two or more. I think Santos has got a game in hand and one other team. Maybe Monterrey, actually, at the top of the table. Monterrey looks so good. I'm not even going to talk about them. They sicken me. They're so good, and I do not like Monterrey. But they're running away with it in that sense. They're going to be in, obviously. Toluca and Pachuca. Toluca clinging to a playoff spot like chalkboard, you know, nails on the side of a cliff here. Hanging on, 23 points. They're one behind Nakaxa in sixth. But, you know, top eight get through. It looks like Toluca should be fine. We got an away game. Yeah, I said we. We got an away game against Veracruz and then a home game to Tijuana to wrap up the Apertura schedule. They're going to be fine. I believe that. They still got work to do. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Fernando Uribe has been doing everything he can. I like what he's been He's been performing well. Six goals, leads the team. It's kind of a balanced Toluca side scoring-wise, this, this uh, Apertura. Nobody's running away and hiding. They're not really relying on just one guy, which I kind of like, if I'm being honest. So the Reds will be fine. I believe they're in. Now, Pachuca is another story. And it has, it's has it been a good run of late. Toluca, on the other hand, has kind of been struggling of late, but they're, they're kind of fine. Pachuca's kind of been much better. One loss in their last six only. Playing better. But they're still 10th, 18 points. They're three points behind Atlas in eighth and Cruz Azul in ninth. So you have to actually vault over both. To get to the playoffs, Cruz Azul still has a chance for one of those top eight spots. Atlas currently sitting in eighth. Pachuca, I like their schedule because they got Carretero at home and then Atlas on the road. Now, tough matchup on the road, but at least you're playing someone in front of you, right? You can vault over them. Pachuca's got a shot, too. I want both these teams in the postseason. I want the Yuka Derby in the final, if I can help it, in Liga Emeki's Apertura. That would be fantastic. That would be one of those where I might have to get the passport lit up again, Mario. And we might have to find our way down to uh, Mexico there for a Toluca-Pachuca final. Fingers crossed. But I, I really do. I think Toluca's fine. Pachuca's playing well, though. And that's the thing. They're on the hotter side of things going up, you know, ascending the table, if you will, a little bit. Still work to do. And I love what Victor Guzman done. Now, you talk about scoring goals. Eight goals so far in this, uh, in this competition. And he's looked good. He's looked good at doing it. Areta Vizcaya. One of my favorites, nine assists, Jonathan. Oh. So Pachuca's got the offense starting to get going a little bit. I know Omar. I love Omar, obviously, former guy. I'm not 100% certain that Pachuca, even though they're playing well now, is a threat to like win a title. I think Toluca could do a little damage here. They are, again, not playing at their best currently, but if they can kind of turn this thing around, I think they have a shot. Going to be a, a tough way to go. You know how Liga Amekis is with – they reseed. I love that. The higher seed, the better team. You only have to really uh, draw. and Well, not draw, but like be tied on the two legs with goals. I love that rule. 
So if you're the higher seed, you just go on. There's no like over. There's no like extra time or penalty kicks or anything like that. It's like, hey, oh, you drew. Good. The top team goes on. I love that because it means that the Apertura or in other cases the Clausura means something. The 17 games. But I'm not unhappy with where they're at right now based on what it could have been. So that at least both teams have a real shot. Pachuca's got work to do to get into the postseason. I believe Toluca's going to be a playoff bound. I like, the, I like what the, they can do, both teams. Keep an eye on them, and I'm looking for that derby. I want that final. I don't even know if that's – is that mathematically possible? We'll have to see how the uh, seeds weigh out, though. Oh, that would be lovely. That is your Toluca-Pachuca update in Liga Emekis. Always a lot of fun. As we roll on, more to talk to about the Champions League still to come. Plus, you know we have stoppage time and so much more. It's Soccer Weekly. I'm Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly rolling on, and it is always brought to you by our good friends at Puente Hills Toyota, PuenteHillsToyota.com. Check out and get a new 2017 Toyota Camry LE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Dot com Or maybe tomorrow. It's a little late, right? After the Lakers here, we're doing Soccer Weekly. Go tomorrow. Trust me, over at Puente Hills Toyota, they'll be ready for you. And tell them we sent you here at Soccer Weekly and ESPN LA 710. Champions League rolling on. We're getting closer and closer to really knowing who's in the knockout stages, right? Group stages are through four match days in Europe. And we're seeing a lot of teams start to separate themselves. Now, Man United not officially qualified for the knockout stage, but they're going through. They're perfect so far. They've played very well. The four teams who are officially gone through already are big names. No real surprises other than maybe, well, I'll say one based on the performance that they went through on match day four just a, a days ago. Tottenham is a bit of a surprise in that they beat Real Madrid and they're already through after four matches in a, in a reasonably tough group. But Dortmund has really collapsed. That's been a big difference in that group with Real Madrid, Apoel, Dortmund and Tottenham. So Tottenham, I love Mauricio Pochettino. I love what he's done with Tottenham. They're young. They're fast. They play quickly. They think quickly. They move like a team. He's really built something special there. Now, Harry Kane, of course, is becoming world-class, so that helps. But they've got a lot of talent. Christian Eriksen, Deli Ali, the names go on and on. They're loaded. And I love what Tottenham's doing. They fully deserve to be there, but they are through already into the knockout stage. They're going. Bayern Munich, yeah, no surprise there. Man City been playing phenomenal football. Oh, Pep Guardiola has them humming. They are scoring goals at will, both in the Premiership and looking very good in Champions League. They're through. And PSG, holy cow. I mean, we knew getting Neymar, right? That's a big move. I get it. But, oh, man, are they clicking. They are so dense with talent, loaded, filled up to the brim with talent on that team. That It's almost as though the pitch can't hold their talent. 17 goals for and zero against so far in their four matches. Yeah, you heard that right. Plus 17 goal difference. They haven't allowed a goal in four matches. They're perfect. They literally are perfect on the field, and they look perfect on paper, the way that Neymar is playing with that team. PSG is going to be a handful in the knockout stages to try to break down and beat. Unbelievable performances so far. And so they're all through. Now there's some other teams who are going to get through, just haven't officially qualified. There's a couple of good groups out there. Liverpool's kind of in a nice little struggle in their group, kind of a fun group to be sure. I like what's going on there. 
But there's some other teams that are still going to qualify. Certainly Barcelona looks like they're going to be a good bet to qualify. They'll get through. They're going to be tough, no doubt. I don't care what happened with struggling with Olympiacos a bit. It doesn't matter. They're going to be dangerous in the knockout stage. Those are the teams you got to keep an eye out for. But PSG right now is absolutely the class of world football, the way they're playing currently. And that's not going to stop anytime soon. The Champions League is rolling now. And we're about to, I think we're what, obviously two more match days. A couple of, it's, you know, it's about five, six weeks from the draw for the knockout stage, which happens in mid-December. And that's when things really get going. That's when things get really fun. So it'll be a fun time, no doubt. And uh, if you have your team who you uh, are backing for the Champions League, look, don't just tweet at me at Talk Soccer with your favorite team, okay? Some of you are so blindly loyal to your favorite team, which, okay, I get it on some level. That's sports. But tell me who you really think is going to win, even if they're not your favorite team. Who are you liking? Who are you thinking maybe struggling? It could be your favorite team. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a Galaxy diehard, right? I don't come onto this show every week and say, you know what? Everything's okay. Don't worry. No, I came on and tell you they're the worst team in MLS from about, I don't know, week 10, 20-some games ago. And But guess what? It played out that way, didn't it? So be realistic about your Champions League side. Don't just fire it at me. I know there's some diehards out there, but tell me who you really love, who, you, who you're not loving on the pitch right now, the way they're playing, at Talk Soccer. Now, I mentioned this earlier before the show. Many hours ago, I said, hey, tweet at me, fire off some questions, at Talk Soccer, and maybe I'll answer a few. We got some good ones that flow, flow, uh, came flying in, <laughs> that flew in, that flown in. I couldn't even, yeah, flew in. And so I'm going to answer a few of those right now. Again, you can follow us at Talk Soccer. And don't forget, after the show, if you miss something, you ever uh, tell a friend who wants to listen to a podcast around the country, the thing's blown up, not just in Southern California. It's on Twitter or on iTunes. You can uh, go to the podcast section, search for Soccer Weekly, spelled as you might imagine, and uh, subscribe, rate, and review. But on Twitter, we got some good questions. This one, first one's from at Corey in Ohio. And he asked, will hashtag save the crew ride the momentum to a championship? Now, of course, hashtag save the crew, meaning the Columbus crew, who are, again, we talked about this early in the show, going through all that turmoil. And the uh, cold, stark reality of the answer is, Corey, no. They will not ride it to a championship. Doesn't mean they're not playing well. Doesn't mean they're going to get past NYCFC. They will. They're going to the Eastern Conference Final. They're going to run into a better team there, and they're going to lose. You know what? I don't know why, because sports are not fair. Clearly what Columbus Crew's fans are going through now is not fair. But sports in general are not fair. If sports were fair, you Darvish would have struck out Yuli Gurriel five times, and on the last one it would have been the final out of a no-hitter in Game 7 where the Dodgers would have won one nothing or more. Right? If sports were fair, that's what would have happened in Game 7 to you, Darvish, and to Yuli Gurriel after what happened earlier in the series. But sports are not fair. Sports don't care about your, how you're feeling about your team or how you're feeling about life or how you're feeling about your sport. And Columbus Crew are going through a terrible time. They're doing very well on the pitch. They're not good enough. They're not women, winning MLS Cup this season. At Coach DNG tweeted in, as a manager, would you be more defensive like Juve or more high-pressing like Barca or Borussia Dortmund? And i got to be honest, it's a great question, Coach DNG. My answer is I would be way more high-pressing and get offensive. I would be more than willing to win 5-3. I don't mind if my defense gets shredded occasionally. What you do, here's the key, and I'll say this to MLS teams. 
L.A. Galaxy, Chris Klein, if you're listening, and I know you are. This is how I build a team if I'm general manager. You build offensively first. I know defense, blah, 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 wins championship. Well, especially in MLS, you got to spend your money on offense. You go out and score three goals, you maintain possession 60%, 55% plus, and you see if the other team can beat you. And you know what? You make teams, especially in MLS, score world-class goals on you. Don't give away cheap stuff. And this goes back, Coach DNG, to what I would believe. Attack, press, high pressure, constantly in your opponent's face, and score three or four goals a game and see if they beat you. And if they beat you, dreaded tip of the cap and uh, shake their hand and say good luck. But make them score great goals. Not cheap stuff, not giveaways, not garbage time goals, not own goals with when defenses are out of position. Sometimes own goals happen. I get that. But I'm talking about sloppy defending. Clean that up. You don't have to spend a fortune on that, especially in MLS. Make it tough. Make them score great goals on you, and then go score one more than them. That's my philosophy. I don't believe in winning 1-0 and praying. Gone are the days of American soccer should be thinking like that. At Rich in the 970 tweeted me, and he says, why, do, why does Rene Iguita look exactly like Rick James? Well, it's true. The Scorpion, right, the old the Colombian goalkeeper, it's the hair. Rich, it really is. It's the curls. Let's be honest. There's a little, there's some maybe some bone structure similarities, I guess. You know, if you look at them, they kind of look a little bit alike in the face. But it's really the hair. That fantastic hair between the, may rest in peace, the great Rick James. And Rene Iguita, the, of course, the Scorpion kick king in goal back in the days for Colombia. Uh, absolutely the hair. And it's a good question. I love it. Great stuff. Speaking of great stuff, you know what time it is. It's our favorite time of the show. It's stoppage time. Right now, joining me, producer extraordinaire on the show, Mario Rees. Mario, it is stoppage time. Welcome, buddy. Identical. Renee, Gita, and Rick James it's is identical. Call. It's a good call. Good call. Who was that? Give it's a rich in the 970. I yes. love Rich. Good call, Rich. All right. Jay, uh, here we go, Dave. Uh, could Club Tijuana be the perfect place for Jurgen Klinsmann to resume his managerial career? Wow. Yeah, you know, I've heard a little bit of those rumblings. It's funny that you brought that one up. That's a good start to stoppage time. It, it's kind of like a wow. It's a, it's a drop jaw. Yeah. Could that happen? Yeah, you know, it could. Certainly, Jurgen has some connections in Southern California, and I'm sure he probably has some connections down in uh, Tijuana and Mexico as well. He's well known. Look. He's still respected. I'm not sitting here telling you he's a terrible coach or anything. It didn't work out for the U.S. in the long run, but he had some moments. I like the move potentially to Tijuana back to a club team. He could start to rebuild his club resume as a a manager. And Tijuana, hey, why not? I I think it would be a good move for them as well. I actually, I think that's a very interesting possibility. I like the style of play at times. When he's confident in his team, which he lost confidence in the U.S., after you know, towards the end of his run, but when he's confident, confident in his team, he lets them play, and I think Tijuana could actually have a very interesting style under Jurgen Klinsmann. Could work, yeah. I like that move. Yeah, it's, uh, rumors are that uh, Tijuana is interested in him, and he's interested in them. So why not? Uh, yeah, let's he can live that. right there in California. Let's hope that happens. That'll be good for Soccer Weekly too. We can talk about them, no doubt. Oh yeah. All right, so men's national team and MLS midfielder Kyle Beckerman has cut off the dreads, baby. Wow. After 12 years of the trademark due, the dreads are gone, all except for one. He left one. One dread, okay. Yeah, one dread. A little Uh, bit of a, yeah, just an in memoriam there for the rest of his hair. Beckerman said that uh, he made the change the day after RSL's final game of the season last month. And he said, me and the wife just started snipping away on Monday, and after the game, uh, they just kept going until they left one. 
I mean, look, that's a commitment to cut off the dread. He had long dreads, too. This, he uh, did, yeah. Kyle Beckerman had some long dreadlock hair. Uh, here's the thing, Kyle. You get past about 30, 31, it's, it's really kind of just a I'm a lazy man look. You know, it's not really a good look with the, with the dreads if you're past 30 years old. He's 34. Line. Yeah, and he's, he's already into his mid-30s, as you say, 34. Yeah, it's time to go, really. It, you know, you're 22. Okay, I guess. You're still a kid. You're still trying to find yourself. 34, let's, it's time to grow up a bit. And, and his contract know. is up with RSL, so he said that he cut him off, and hopefully uh, it'll shed a few pounds, and, I'll say, and yeah. it'll help him in negotiations. I'll, I'll be honest. I checked. The, I looked at the video. He looks a little younger. He does, right? He does yeah, I saw look, the pitch. Yep. I'm not saying he's going to look younger on the pitch, maybe, but, yeah, Mario, maybe that is part of the factor, really. He does look a little bit younger, so maybe yeah. you can fool. Maybe you can fool another team. I'm sure RSL you know, will still want to possibly sign him as well. But, yeah, that's interesting stuff. Good stoppage time here, no doubt. That is stoppage time to the great Mario Rees. Thanks so much to Mario. Thanks to Jesse Lopez for hanging out with us here on Soccer Weekly. Most of all, thanks to you. Don't forget, you can follow the show at Talk Soccer on Twitter. Go to iTunes. Search the podcast Soccer Weekly. They're up almost immediately after the show each and every week. Download it. Subscribe, rate, review. It would do us a big service. I am Dave Home. Thanks so much to Puente Hills Toyota, our proud sponsor here of Soccer Weekly. You've been listening to the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA 710.